Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6 says this, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not into your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. Now they showed me this video clip last week, and it just really ministered to me, and I thought I'm kind of talking about that this Sunday. So I said, man, this will work just really good uh, to work into the message. So have you got it? I know they had some issues with it. You got it? All right. Can we just cut the lights? It's just a two or three minute video clip. I grew up in an emotionally and physically abusive household. My mother was incredibly emotionally violent, and then my father was detached. He was an alcoholic. I never knew what I was going to come home to. I never knew what he was going to come home like. You know, what was so amazing is I still wanted a relationship with my father. When I had children, I began to think, maybe now my father will engage. And I remember there was a time period where John and I loaded up our four boys and we drove all the way down to go see my father, knocked on the door, and my father didn't answer. And there was just this little note, and he said, I'm sorry, I changed my mind, I don't want to see you guys. I was like, God... You know, I feel like I am utterly and completely fatherless. Not because I don't have a father, but because my father doesn't want anything to do with me or with us. He said, your dad has let go of any right to be your father. He said, but baby girl, if you need something, you just call out to me. And at that point, my expectations for my father changed. I was no longer looking for him to be what he couldn't be to me because I was getting that from my heavenly father. A year before my father died, my oldest son and I went and visited him. He was in an alcohol-related dementia center. And I thought, what do I say to this man who is on the edge of eternity? This is what I heard, tell him he was a good dad. I thought, no, no, I'm not telling somebody on the threshold of death a lie. He was not a good dad. I'm not telling that. And I heard him. Again, the Holy Spirit said, Lisa, he was as good as he knew how to be. Tell him he was a good dad. So I grabbed a hold of my dad's hands and I I brought him up, you know, between us. I had full attention and I looked him in the eyes and said, Dad, you were a good dad. He began to shake. It was like a thousand volts of electricity shot through that Sicilian man where he's weeping and crying and he formed the only two words. He spoke the entire time we were there. He kissed the back of my hands and he said, thank you. And when he said thank you, my dad wept and cried over my hands and nodded as my son prayed him into eternity. And we put him to bed that night, and that was the last time that I ever got to see him. I don't know who it is you're afraid to love. I don't know if it's a father. I don't know if it's a mother. I don't know if it's a brother or or somebody that violated you. But I'm just going to tell you that you will never, ever regret forgiving other people. None of us deserve the mercy we get. We all deserve judgment. And yet God gives us mercy. So how can we do anything less for others? Be courageous and love and forgive. Amen. 
I just know that um, that is the heart of God. And I believe that God's going to change the church so that the world can be changed. I believe God's going to transform the church because in reality, a lot of times we're just like the world and the fact that if somebody does us wrong, if somebody abuses us when we were younger, um, and I'm not trying to put any of that down. I know there's, uh, I was praying a week or two ago, and I just sensed there's somebody either in our church or watching online that a woman who has been violated, and the Lord just wants everybody to be healed, to be healed. And he wants you and I to be healed so that we can minister the love of God to those around us. He wants us to love people that are not worth to the world loving. Because so many times we feel justified in in being uh, judgmental towards people. Don't we? Well, Pastor, you just don't know what they did. No, I think the question is you don't know what Jesus has done. You don't know what Jesus has done. Because the standard for God is zero sin. Zero sin. Total righteousness, total holiness. Nobody meets that standard. Nobody. Nobody does. To become a child of the king is to have that kind of mentality. So nobody meets that. And God knows that. So he comes down as a man to fulfill what none of us could fulfill. Some, some of us, sometimes we think we're 70% you know, righteous, at least we're not as bad as so-and-so that it's below us. But we don't understand, no, honey, because the standard is 100%. It's not 75, it's not 85, it's not 99.999, it's 100. And none of us meet that. None of us meet that. And so God just wants us to quit the judging, quit the condemning, and start the loving. Start the loving. And... uh Ephesians chapter 4 verse 2 says this, With tender humility and quiet patience always demonstrate gentleness and generous love toward one another, especially toward those who may try your patience. Especially, especially towards those who try your patience, especially to those who are thorn in your flesh, especially to those who may have abused you, to those who may have harmed you, who talk about you, especially to anybody who comes against you, he said, show the love of God. Be be patient with them. If you drop down to verse 29, it says, and never let ugly or hateful words come from your mouth, but instead let words become beautiful gifts that encourage others. Do this by speaking words of grace to help them. The Holy Spirit of God has sealed you in Jesus Christ. Until you experience your full salvation, so never grieve the Spirit of God or take for granted His holy influence in your life. Lay aside bitter words, temper tantrums, revenge, profanity, and insults, but instead be kind and affectionate toward one another. Has God graciously forgiven you? Then graciously forgive forgive one another in the depths of Christ's love. The problem is, is that we've all done things, just like she said, that deserve judgment. We all have. 
But the mercy and the kindness and the compassion of God has forgiven us. Has forgiven us. You know, and I know we all struggle in certain areas. You know, it, it's, it's easy, you know, sometimes at church, you know, to be kind, to be compassionate. You put on your best. But I know a lot of times when uh, we're out in the world and uh, the mechanic doesn't fix your car just right the first time. The hairdresser messes up your hair. Doesn't fix it like you thought that they should. The grocery clerk is rude to you and... And the list goes on and on and on. And people cut you off in, in traffic. And, and then that's when we forget about what God has done for us. And so we take it upon ourselves to feel justified in retaliating to that person who did us wrong. Don't get me wrong. I mean, if I pay for a service... I, I, I'm probably going to say something, but having said that, there is a word called tact that I think sometimes church people have lost that, that sensation. Because you see, I believe, I truly believe that we as a church can influence people, especially when they know they screwed up. Especially. But... I don't know about you, but I have failed miserably at this in my past. And the Lord says that there's a reason why you fail miserably. It's because you're trying to do this in your own strength. You're trying to do this as Mike Davis. And he says, you're not very good at it, Mike. I believe that, and this is why I've been praying for us as a church, for you guys. I've been praying that for all of us to have such an encounter with the God, love of God. The love of God. That will change your life. See, I believe when God, when the church opens up our heart for us to be transformed, it's going to be easy for God to use us to transform Pueblo. I believe it is. But God wants us to be open to this. He wants us to be open to how much he loves us. She heard God. I mean, when the Spirit of God talked to her and said, I want you to tell your dad he's a good dad. Most of us would have the same response like, I don't think so. I'm not going to do that. And the Holy Ghost said, no, you do it. See, that's what we need to have in the heat of the moment. When the service uh, that we were expecting doesn't come up to par or, or what we were expecting a person to do, the, the, our car to be fixed or our hair to look nice or the grocery clerk to do, whatever it may be, that's the time we need to be sensitive to the Holy Ghost. And he'll say, now, Mike, I want you to smile and I want you to show them what Jesus is really like. You have to hear from God to do that. Because in your flesh and my flesh, we will just rip you up one side and down the other and then go, and may the Lord bless you. The world is waiting to see love manifested. And I'm telling you what, especially in this culture that we're living in today, I'm telling you the world is wanting to see love and acceptance because there's not any love going around. There's not any acceptance going around on this planet at all. John 13, 35 says this. For when you demonstrate the same love, the same love I have for you, 
by loving one another, everyone will know that you're my true followers. I've taught on this so many times. But the unity that God is looking for can only come from a genuine God kind of love being manifested through you and me. I mean, the churches even have a hard time flowing in unity. Jesus prayed that. I believe, how many believe that Jesus' prayer will be answered, though? He said, Father, I pray that they would be one. I believe that's going to happen. I believe that what Jesus prayed will happen. But boy, I tell you what, you look in the natural, you think, I don't see how. (laughs) I just don't see how. But that's because it won't be done in your strength and my strength. It'll be done by the mercy and the grace of God. I love the story. Melody and I were talking about this earlier of Peter. Peter, you know, they're having the Lord's Supper, the Last Supper, and, uh, you know, Peter was always boisterous. I mean, he would tell you his opinion. Everybody knew what Peter was thinking. You didn't have to wonder. But Jesus in John chapter 13, verse 37, he says this, Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for your sake. Here's Peter. I'll die for you. Jesus answered him and says, Will you lay down your life for my sake? Most assuredly, I say to you, the rooster shall not crow till you deny me three times. He said, Peter, you're going to deny me three times. You know, when the Bible was written, it was not written in chapter and verse. It was a continuation. Man separated. Do you know what the very next scripture is in chapter 14, verse 1? The very next scripture says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Jesus was telling Peter, you're going to deny me three times, Peter. But what I'm telling you, listen to me, Peter. Don't let your heart be troubled. Everything's going to be all right. You realize that when that happened, Peter did deny Jesus three times. and The Bible says he ran away and he wept bitterly. But on resurrection morning, Jesus said, make sure to tell the disciples to meet me and make sure that you tell Peter. He mentioned him by name. But I'm sure those words of comfort, first of all, that Jesus knew that Peter would fall, that he would deny Jesus three times. But he also remembered the words, not let your heart be troubled. You see, Jesus went beyond. He had mercy, compassion, and love. And those three elements caused a man who denied Jesus three times, who was a follower of him, who followed him. And yet, when he denied him three times, the mercy of God was able to grab him and snatch him back up and pull him out. That is what it's going to take for this world to be pulled up out of the depths of darkness and despair and ugliness. It's going to be the passion, the mercy, and the love of God. And you know what? It shows the salvation of God. God showed the salvation to Peter. And this is the thing. The Lord spoke this to me and he said this. 
He said, I want that salvation to continually flow what I paid for 2,000 years ago. I want it to continually flow through you and me by having mercy, compassion, and love for people, especially the ones who don't deserve it because none of us do. Philippians 1, 9 says this, And this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more and extend to its fullest development in knowledge and all keen insight, that your love may display itself greater depth of acquaintance and more comprehensive discernment, so that you may surely learn to sense what is vital and approve and prize what is excellent and of real value, recognizing the highest and the best and distinguishing the moral differences, and that you may be untainted and pure and unerring and blameless so that your hearts, sincere, certain, and unsullied, you may approach the day of Christ not stumbling nor causing others to stumble. The most important thing is for us to value what God values. Would you agree with that? To value what God values. And what does God value more than anything? People. He values people more than anything. People can quote John 3.16. For God so loved the world. That's what this is all about. God so loved the world. But the thing is, in verse 17, it says that he came not to judge, not to condemn, but to rescue the world. And years ago, the Lord told me, he says, Mike, I just want you to know, anytime you condemn and judge, you're taking a side against me because I don't condemn and judge people. And he says, you shouldn't either. Did you hear that? We shouldn't condemn and judge people. Yeah, but look what they did. God has a, and this is why I say we need to encounter God. And by encounter, I mean we need to be able to come to God in such a way that it changes us. That's going to look different for all of us. So I'm not going to say this is what it looks like. No, it's going to look different from all of us. And I'm not going to stand here and say I have that every week of my life or every month of my life. But I do encounter him in his sweet presence. Just his sweet presence. I mean, there's so many times that I just walk for hours in the day and, and I don't do a lot of talking. And people say, well, you know, you know, I was in the charismatic and word of faith people, you know, when you get in a prayer meeting, people, it's just going to be loud talking yelling, screaming, and until we say amen. Well, I've come to the conclusion, you hear everybody's prayers, but you really don't hear what God is saying. So, I know what I want to say, but I'm coming to the conclusion that I do my prayer time about 10% of the talking and 90% of the listening. Just listen. Just listen. I'm not afraid of quietness. I'm not afraid of quietness. But I do know this. We need to listen to what he's saying because I guarantee you he's talking. I'm telling you, he loves to talk to people. Saved, unsaved, ugly, bitter. You name every type of people, he wants to talk to them. And so I'm determined 
then I'm going to listen and I'm going to hear. And I have been. And you can too. Because he wants to share his life with you. He wants to share his thoughts with you. Because that's what's going to change you and me. I can preach sermons and everything, and but ultimately it's going to come down to you having an encounter with God and him speaking into your life. And then you will be changed. And we all need to be changed. You say, well, I was born again. I was saved when I was seven years old. I tell you what, though, I, it, that's, that was where the journey began. I need to be changed continually. I need to be changed the way that I see people, the way that I respond to people, the way I perceive who Jesus really is, to understand what love is all about. I need that to be continually changing because love is, is, doesn't have borders. It doesn't have a, a, a defining border. It's endless because it's God. So therefore, I continually need to have revelation about the love of God. It's not a one-time thing. But I do know this. The more that I do encounter that, the more that I'm more apt to treat people with love and respect and appreciation and value them. I have been valued. You know, I've told the Lord, there's been times I remember the past and I go, man, dear Lord Jesus, I sure didn't value that person. I didn't value them. And I would just want to get sackcloth and ashes and beat myself up. And the Lord said, no, no, stop it. It's just like that man. It's like that dad. You value what you thought you could do. And that's where it ended. But the more revelation you have. Matthew, Jesus said this. He said, you know, I know all about sparrows. And and I know when one of them falls to the ground. I know when one of them dies. You know how many sparrows there are? I think there's 50 million just on my property alone in the summertime. He says, I know all about them. And he says, aren't you much worth any of those? And I know all about them. The point is this. God knows all about you and me. He knows the desires of our heart. He knows what we like and what we dislike. And he just wants you to understand that he values you. He values you. And so you need to value you. I think most of us, you're probably a little bit like me, and that is it's easy for us to beat ourselves up. It's real easy to beat ourselves up and think, man, I just need to be a better person. I should treat this one better. I should, oh, my goodness, I just do this. And the Lord, one time I was in prayer, and he just said, would you stop it? Just stop it. Just stop it. You can't do anything about this. So why are you even bringing it up? I believe that God, he wants to encounter you in such a way that he will just pick you up and set you on his throne and put you in his lap and just look into your eyes with melting, powerful love about the eyes of God to just let you understand how much you are loved by him, how much you are accepted by him, how much he cares about you. When you have a revelation of that, it does not matter what anybody says about you. You'll get to a point you go, sorry, you just don't know me like God. I'm so glad he knows me better than what you know me. It's so true. So true. But I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, our church is going to be different. Because your experience with God is going to be different. 
And I believe it's going to get gooder and gooder and gooder because God's going to reveal his love to you and to me. And it's going to change our city. It's going to change our nation. It's going to change our world. It's going to change because of the love of God. Psalms 40. Can you pull up Psalms 40 in the Passion Translation? I believe verse 3. Psalms 40, verse 3 in the Passion Translation. It says, a new song for a new day rise up in me every time I think about how he breaks through for me. Ecstatic praise pours out of my mouth until everyone hears how God has set me free. Many will see his miracles. They'll stand in awe with God and fall in love with him. I pray that over you guys. I pray that over you all. I walk around here and I pull out my phone and I pray that that you will encounter God to the degree that the love of God will transform you and you will see the miracle power of God and you will stand in awe of him. You see, because in all of us from time to time, myself included, we don't really stand in awe of God. We'll stand in awe of some movie star or some famous person. We go, oh my goodness. But I'm telling you, God, if we see him, we'll be standing in awe. It's not even, words won't describe how we feel. When you encounter the love of God, it will cause you to stand so much in all of him that you won't be able to, you know that song that came out years ago, I Can Only Imagine? That's the way it's going to be. We won't be able to express, we won't have a clue how to respond but we'll be so changed by his love and by just being in all of him. And then that scripture says that you'll see the miracles. You know, people says, I just want to see the power of God. I want to see the miracles of God. You want to see that? Find out how much God loves you. Find out how much God loves you. Because, man, I tell you what, you find that out, you'll start seeing miracles. God's not withholding his power up in heaven and saying, and eh, if you all keep fasting, you keep praying, you keep doing, you keep, you keep, you keep. I may drop a couple of drops from heaven. No, ladies and gentlemen, he spilled all of his drops on the cross. The drops have already been, and it was not drops, it was all of his blood. He spilled it all. So it's now time for you and me to realize what he's done for us, to stand in all of him, then that's the door that will open up miracles in your life and my life. No more begging. No more, God, please send your power. Send it, God, please. When are you going to do it, God? Oh, God, let's just, let's just cry out more for God. Okay, I get that, and I know what people are translating that is for. But in reality, it's the wrong prayer, just to be honest with you. We should be saying, Lord, just open up their heart. Open up my heart. Open up our eyes that we can see in the allness, the loving power of God. If you see that, it will cause boldness to happen in your life. And you'll go up and you'll lay hands on some blind person. And you will expect their eyes to open because how much God loves them. Because how much God loves them. 
You see somebody in pain, you'll go and lay hands on them, not because you think you're anybody, but because you've had a revelation of how much God loves them, and you know that God doesn't want them limping around. You know that God doesn't want them being in any kind of pain, and you'll be able to speak to that pain, and it'll leave because of the love of God. That's what healing is all about. It's not that you and I have to get good enough. Honey, we'll never get healed if that's the standard. No, you have to find out a revelation of how much God loves them, and then you go, well, they're going to get healed because I know how much God loves them. Come on now. That's the revelation that we're looking for, and it's in us. We just don't see it, and so God, he, he, he lets it happen. He lets people beg him and cry out for him, God, heal him, God, heal him, and people get healed. So I'm not, I'm not putting that down, but I'm telling you that's not the best way. The best way is to say, God, I know how much you love this person, so I know they're going to receive healing. The healing power of God's going to explode in them because I know how much you love them. And it's going to happen. People will get saved. They'll get born again. They'll get transformed. Their lives will be restored. They'll be able to go to some father or some person who abused them and look them in the eyes and say, you know what? I love you, and I'm thankful that the Lord God that I serve had died for you, and he loves you. More than you can ever dream. You can't do that in the flesh. You can't do that in the flesh. Because your flesh and my flesh doesn't want to do that. We'll say, hope you burn in hell. But the love of God explodes in your life and you'll say, I hope you burn with the passion of God. It's what God is waiting on. It's time for a wake-up call. We're not waiting on God to move he's already moving and he said checkmate the deal's done now it's your turn me to realize that the game is over the power's been won and it's inside of you the victory has been won and the love of God is being waiting on you and me to respond to we can heal people we can save people by the love of Jesus can see lives transformed, marriages healed, relationships between children totally restored because of the love of God. It'll change our city. People have ridiculed this city. People hate this city. People think Pueblo is a scumbag of, of not only Colorado. I, I mean, I know it. I know that. I hear it. Firsthand, I hear it. But God has promised me that people will say, that happened in Pueblo? that happen? And the Lord said, it's just like when they, the people said about him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? When, Jesus, when they said, come and look and behold a man who's from Nazareth. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? I don't know what kind of town Nazareth was, but evidently it was a lot like Pueblo. Can anything good come out of Pueblo? Are you kidding? Can God move in Pueblo? Are you, uh, I don't know. God can move in Pueblo. Not only he can, but he will, and that's his desire. He's just waiting on you and me. Pueblo's a blessed city by God. By God. It's called blessed. Amen. Let's stand. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you. On this Valentine's Day, we say happy Valentine's Day, Father. You have sent the most awesome valentine that anybody could ever receive. 
And so we say happy Valentine's Day to you and thank you for your tremendous love. What's love got to do with it? Everything is what will change the church. And we do need to be changed so that we can change our city. So we say thank you, Father, for giving us eyes to see, ears to hear, and a mouth to speak. And as the disciples prayed in Acts 4, say, grant unto thy servants that with all boldness we may speak your word. That signs and wonders would be done by the name of thy holy child, Jesus. Father, I pray that your love would be so stirring within us that we'll be able to speak boldly, knowing that it's not our effort, it's not our doing, it's the love of God. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.